If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Jeremiah 29 to start out today. And as you're turning there, uh, I just want to, if you're here for the first time, I want to introduce myself. My name's Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Church. Our heart for our gatherings is that you would encounter the presence of Jesus. We hope that that's your experience. And if you're watching online today, welcome church. Can we welcome everyone online? We're glad that you're with us. If it's your first time or maybe you haven't been around for a while, uh, two weeks ago, we asked the church to pray for the next 21 days. So we're 14 days in a 21-day spiritual journey, and we've asked people to pray over the next assignment that God has given us as a church, which is to launch another campus. And we're calling this initiative to water the city. And it's three phases. We're asking the church to commit financially over and above our normal tithes and offerings for the next three years to launch another campus, to expand a kid's wing here, to do some development at the retreat center. And our threshold is is $750,000 just to get the campus launched. But overall, it's about three to four million for all three phases. And we believe God uh, is is going to make that a reality? We just have seven days left. Uh, if you uh, if you have if you have not gotten the resources that we gave two weeks ago, if you're just getting here, please pick up a blue bag at the information counter. They'll give them to you. Just ask, hey, can I get a water the city bag? Inside of it will be everything that we shared two weeks ago because I won't have time to reiterate that today. But if you're new or uh, you just came back in a while, please pick up one of these and join us for prayer. We're ending our 21 days with seven days of prayer focus. So starting tomorrow at 630, we're going to be in here praying. Tuesday, we're going to be in here praying. Wednesday, Pastor Lee is joining us, and he's coming with a message for our church. Be here Wednesday. If you can only make one of the seven days, make Wednesday, because I think the word that Pastor Lee had for us is going to be a word in season that's going to be specific for our church. Then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we're going to be praying at the other location at Sycamore. Again, 6.30 on Thursday and Friday, and Saturday morning will be a 9 a.m. prayer. And then Sunday night, we'll come back here, or Sunday we'll be here for church, and then Sunday night we'll end here with a night of worship. That's how we're going to focus our next seven days, prayer focus. But we started out two weeks ago asking the church to go on a 21-day prayer journey together, asking the Lord, one, to make the new campus a reality, the three phases of, of, of multiplying and everything we, we have vision for, that God would do that. Two, that God would connect our hearts to the vision. We asked that we would see like Jesus sees, that we could have his eyes so we could see the need for our community. And last week, we talked about like what we are committed to as a church, that we are committed to prayer and worship. We're committed to helping people get set free. We're committed to preaching biblical truth. We're committed to the next generation. And Water the City is not just like this cute, trite, clever name that we came up with and let's write a, a good song for it. No, these are prophetic words to us. Water the city was a prophetic word spoken over us August of last year. said, water the city and go to the east. And that's exactly what began to happen in the fall without the person knowing who gave the word that that was what's going to happen. Two, it's not only a prophetic word, but it's it's an invitation from God to participate in the next season that he's leading us into. And three, it's a continuation of us 
um, reaching the lost and hurting people in our community. Water is what brings life. Water, like prophetically in scriptures, it speaks of the Holy Spirit on the in, living water on the inside of us. It talks prophetically of streams and deserts. Well, deserts are dry places that need water, life. That's what we mean by water the city. We mean it going beyond and continuing to do what God has reached us. That's, that's why we're doing this. There's a couple in our, our church, Jacob and Alex Conklin. They came here right in the midst of our making room. I don't know if they were part of it. They, they may have jumped in in the midst of it. I can't remember. But God used them, uh, or God used Radiant Church just to touch their lives. And so we've asked them to share their story of what's happened here in their life because they're newer to our congregation just before we got into this building they came here, but here is Jacob and Alex's story of what Radiant has done in their hearts. Uh, my name is Jacob Conklin. And I'm Alex Conklin. We've been here for about five years. At the very beginning of coming, my thought was like, I'd been hurt by the church when I was younger and had just entirely walked away from my faith and from God. Personally, I wasn't at a church. I dipped my toes in a couple churches and they never felt like home. Um, it always felt superficial, um, complicated. If it hadn't been for, for my parents' invitation to come, I don't think that we would have initially stepped through the doors. It immediately felt like people cared. With that being said, uh, where both of us came from was a place of hurt, so we're coming into it cautious. But everybody was okay with that, and everybody was still loving, everybody was still kind, and you could still see the transformation and, and the posture of people's hearts change around you and then in yourself and then it just grows. Having like an actual community too of like people that you can come to instead of being on your own like man I'm struggling with this and I don't know what to do you can you know go to literally whoever you know and be like hey I got this going on can you pray for me can you help me like yeah I know it's a big church but it's also like a tight-knit group as well. It's more than just the people it's more than just Pastor Mike, like they do a fantastic job. Nobody needs to tell anybody that. If, if you're here, you already know that. But like the presence of God is here and that has allowed us to, to really um, be transformed. One of my favorite parts of being a part of Radiant is experiencing that freedom over and over by watching others that I've talked to come and them experience that freedom to be Holy Spirit-led, to feel that purpose that didn't really exist prior. The heart that the leadership has here for bringing that love and freedom to people is its beautiful and unique. You don't find it in a lot of places. You think that you got so much love and then you're like, there's no way that this could possibly be more. And then you get so much more love. And then you're like, there's no way there could be more. Here's some more. And it's, it's always been that way here. I'm ecstatic 
for the, the new campus because I know what this has done for us here and the moment that we stepped in there, when I went there to clean, when, when we went there to um, pray and worship, it's just another location that's gonna reach so much more people. And it's so exciting to like, know that like, there might be people that are like, you know, oh, that's too far away, I can't, can't go that far, or like, you know, it might be like in Ann Arbor, like even just all the people all the people <laughs> to, to, to feel the way that I feel. Let's give them a hand. That's awesome. <clears throat> He's talking about, I can't wait for him to go to Waken. It's another layer. Let's keep peeling the layers back. You know, we are not just launching a campus. We're not just renovating a building. We're contributing to the spiritual progress of people in our church and people in our community. It's not a building, just a building. It's what God is doing in the midst of our gathering in, in these buildings, and we're committed, we're committed to that. Uh, so next Sunday is going to be Commitment Sunday. We have already asked the leaders in our church to go first. We think that there's a biblical precedent for that, that leaders should go first. So Friday, we asked the leaders to come and to share their commitment and they, they did that Friday night. And I want to let you know what the leaders of our church committed to over the next three years is $685,000 already. Yes. Yeah. Such, so good. If you remember that our threshold is seven fifty dollars just to launch. The whole thing is about three to $4 million. But that's, we're, we're off with a good start. We, we're at least going to be able to launch and get that campus rolling. Um, so we've asked them to go first. So our Church commitment is next Sunday. Everyone say next Sunday. So you, you all got a card last week uh, for commitment Sunday. If, if you haven't got one, you can grab one at the information counter or from a seat near you. But uh, two things are happening next week. One is we're bringing the commitment of whatever the Holy Spirit has spoke to your heart to contribute. Some of us, it's, it's going to be a one-time thing. Some of us, it's going to be uh, something the Lord lays on your heart, and it's going to be over the next three years, or maybe once a year, or however he leads you. You're, you, you. We want you to tell us this in the commitment card. And the reason why is because we show that card to the bank. Because people ask, well, can't we just give? And the answer is yes. But the commitment card helps us communicate to the bank so that we can get those funds now. We it's okay if we wait three years, but if we could get them now, it would be a result of your generosity in communicating that. The other thing we've been asked, so do we put our tithes and offerings on this commitment card? No. This is above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings. So what that means is you're just going to communicate, hey, you know, you know what you already give. We continue to do that. But above and beyond, here's what I'm going to contribute over the next three years. And the second thing is it's a first fruit offering. So you're going to bring, um, if the Holy Spirit leads you to do this, a first fruit offering. Like, here's what I'm first going to give to it. That's next Sunday. And I'm just asking you, as the Lord enables you guys, give your best. Because it positions us well to, to uh, get the campus rolling. So pray about that. But we're committed to making this happen. The, the last thing that we shared last week is we're committed to doing whatever it takes to make this a reality. And so today I wanted to talk about, like, well, what, is, what does that mean? We're committed. We know what we're committed to, but how do we make it happen? One, we have to engage with God. Two, we're going to have to sacrifice. And three, we're going to have to surrender. 
Those are the three things that to, to make this happen. We're going to have to engage with God. We're going to have to sacrifice financially, sacrifice our time, our resources, our heart, just for other people. And then to surrender to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what I want to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Jeremiah 29. If not, it'll come up on the screen. If you don't know, the, the backdrop to this story is um, Israel uh, has been conquered by the Babylonians and they have been sent to Babylon. So they're in a culture they do not understand. It's, it's a pagan culture. So um, it's not uh, the Jewish way. It's not kosher. It's not God's laws or God's way. They're, they're in a, a pagan place. And you would think that God would tell them Find a way out of this. But he doesn't. Here's what the Lord says to him, and this is one of our theme verses, our prayer verse for this week. Jeremiah 29, 7. And work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you. To reach a city takes work. And what God is saying, hey, we want you to engage in the life of community, engage in, in the life of people who don't know Jesus, who don't know the ways of God. Get involved and work for their peace. Work for their prosperity. Where I sent you into exile, pray. If this is going to become a reality, it's going to be because we prayed. Because prayer as we see here, why is God telling them to pray for the place that they're actually in captivity of? You want me to pray for my enemies? Yes. You know why he's asking them to pray? Because if you pray, your heart's going to be knit to that community. If you pray, you're going to be knitted to the vision. You're going to want to engage with the vision. If you pray, the Holy Spirit's likely going to reveal to you a level of sacrifice for water the city. If we pray, it changes the climate, the spiritual climate of Jackson. And this is what the Lord's saying. Hey, if you pray for Babylon, you're going to influence Babylon. So pray for it. I sent you into next. I pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Look, the health and well-being of our city impacts our health and well-being. So it says work at it and pray for it. If we're going to make water the city a reality, just like God tells the Israelites and their culture and their Babylonian culture, I want you to pray and I want you to work for this. Number one, we're going to have to engage with God first. We have to ask God, what is my part? How do I reach my community? What is my sacrificial part to water the city, to make this a reality. Because God's going to tie our heart to the vision. He's going to tie our heart to the city. This is why we fell in love with Jackson. Because Jen and I prayed. We got a word from the Lord. We didn't know why the Lord picked Jackson for us. We still don't know why. But all we did is we began to pray. And we instantly fell in love with the city. And we love Jackson. But if water the city is going to be reality, we have to start and pray to God first. Listen. Um, we ask you this to, to engage with God first and to pray first. Uh, before we even come and commit next Sunday, we have to hear from God. Because if we don't engage with God first, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the budget. What we're going to do first is say, well, what, what can I afford? And, um, and that's the wrong approach because God might actually ask you to sacrifice. God may actually lead you something you didn't know. 
So we must go to him first so we get a heart for it, so we get a word from him, and so then we have faith to step into that. That's what it's going to take. Number two, it's going to take new levels of generosity and sacrifice. For water the city to become a reality, it's going to take new levels of generosity and sacrifice. Eventually, we must move from what can I afford to what God is asking me to sacrifice. Now, the culture would tell you different. Culture would say, don't get a word from the Lord. Get a word from your banker. Go get a word from your accountant. But really, we need a word from the Lord because we should move to the place of sacrifice. And here's what sacrifice is. Sacrifice is when you're willing to give up something you love for something you love even more. This is what sacrifice is. When you give up something you love for something you love even more. When we launched Making Room five years ago, Jen and I had purchased a property back in 2009, many years ago, 20 acres in northern Michigan. It was like a dream for us to have some land that would be like a, one day we kind of thought we'd build a cabin. We'd go there as a place of refreshing. And then we thought, this, then we'll make this place into like some type of retreat. This is before we were going to pastor. Like what we do for Awaken and Bloom, we all had that in our heart long before God ever called us to Jackson, Michigan. And we've seen this 20 acres as that. But when we, when we launched this church or we launched Making Room, and I was going to the Lord praying, Lord, what are we to sacrifice? Because our budget is a fixed budget. Listen, no one gets in the ministry for the money. Like, it's, it was a sacrifice for us to plant this church. When we were in Kalamazoo, we were paid well. It was a large church. It was 1,700 people. And uh, if you look at payscale.com, it, w- it will tell you th- that, that pastors versus stress is one of the lowest paid things. Uh, they, they rank it with uh, firefighters, police officers, and first responders. So no one gets into it because... Oh, he must love that he gets to read the Bible all day long, and he only has to work one day a week. But when we were in Kalamazoo, uh, last year there, we finally got to a place where um, there was wiggle room in our budget. So we were at a church that we helped establish and grow for over 10 years. We were there 17 years, 17 years. It was 1,700 people. And the Lord told us to leave and to plant this church. And when we came here, we had to give up comfort. We had to give up establishment. We had to give up income. And we came here with next to nothing. It was a sacrifice. We gave up what we loved because we loved what was happening in Kalamazoo. But then God birthed the love in us for Jackson. We love this even more. So we gave up what we loved to come here. So in 2017, uh, when we're doing making room, the Lord says, sell, sell your property. And it was, that was our dream. So Jen and I, to, to create room in our budget for making room, we gave up that property to make room in our budget for this. It was a sacrifice. And it was a new level of sacrifice. We, we have always tied to the local church. I believe that's where the tithe belongs is the local church. But anything uh, for making room would have been above and beyond for us. So that's what, that's what we begin to do. And this is why I asked the leaders to go first because I think it's a biblical precedent to, to show that 
leaders are invested into this church, and I think it inspires the rest of us. When I, when I heard that number Friday night, I was inspired by the level of generosity of our church because people are sacrificing to, to, make, to make this a reality. And a sacrifice is when you give up something you love for something you love even more. First Chronicles 29, David is an old man, King David. He's handing the throne off to his son Solomon. And he has it in his heart to build a temple, a place for people to worship. And he's not going to get to see it because he's at the end of his life. His son Solomon is going to build this thing. And he's not going to see it. He's investing into future generations. And when we launch another campus, church, it is about the next generation. We might not get to see the results of what we're giving until we get to heaven, but I know because scriptures tells us that sacrifices financially are sacred to the Lord. And we see this in scripture. So David, here's what he gathers all the leaders and he says this to his ears. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. For gold, the gold for the work, for silver, the silver, for bronze, for bronze. He starts naming all precious metals and things required to build this. Verse 3, besides in my devotion to the temple of my God, um, so the things I've already been doing, that's what he means, by the things I've been devoting as, as financially to God, besides that, now I give my personal treasures, not just the tithe, but above and beyond that, I give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of God over and above. That's why we're asking, you know, we, we got asked, uh, hey, are we supposed to include our tithe and the commitment? And I thought, oh, yeah, I've not given clarity to that. No, it's over and above that because if you, if you move the tithe in that, that impacts the, the church budget. And everything I provided for this holy temple, verse 5, now then, who will follow my example? And give offerings to the Lord. So he's asking, who will go with us? And then we see the leaders sacrifice. But it's when we give up something that we love for something we love even more. And let me say this. It's not equal giving. It's, it's not like we, you know, picked a number and divided it by 800 adults or how many adults we have attending here. It's like, oh, that's this amount. Because not everybody financially is at the same place. It's equal sacrifice, not equal giving. Some are able to, to give lots to the church because God has blessed them and they're out of that abundance they're able to sow. Some of us, the Lord may speak to our heart about the 20 acres. When we did making room, a lady came to me and she, she said, hey, I was discouraged that I had nothing to give. I have a fixed income is what she's telling us. I had a fixed income and I don't have anything to give to the Lord and I, so I, I challenged her. I said, hey, don't start with your income. Engage with God first. That's where we start. So she came back a week or so later and said, Mike, I, I prayed to God, and here's what he showed me. And I can't remember what it was she sacrificed, but it was something like Starbucks or something. She said, I'm able to give $42 every month. So she gave $1,000 over the 24-month commitment. And she felt discouraged. Like, it's not a lot. And I stopped her and said, well, no, it's everything. Because you're giving out of your need. And even beyond your budget. So, and you know, Jesus talks about this in the widow's might. She says, he says, she gave all she had while the others gave out of their abundance. 
And some of us were giving out of abundance. I feel like that's where I'm landing in my place in life. I'm, I, I have more wiggle room now in my budget, and I'm going to give this to the Lord. So, but some of us, it's like the widow. And there's going to be some sacrifice, like I'm, I'm giving all that we have. There was a, a, a couple came up to me last week. When we did Giving Hope back in December, that's what got us the other location. I don't know if you remember this. Normally, during Giving Hope, we, we raised about twenty dollars to $30,000, and we give that back into our community. And we still did that this year, but we wanted, we needed 70 thousand to get that building. And you guys did it. Over $100,000 came in, so we were still able to bless the community. And we viewed this second location as giving hope to our community. We've never been the beneficiary of giving hope. But but we were able to purchase that building. So this couple in our church, uh, they prayed about what, what they were to give, and it was significant. And it was everything in their savings. So what the Lord told them, and, and here's what she said, my husband's job is seasonal. Like it, it's in, like, so we have to save through the good months so that when the winter months come, we have income. And the Lord told us to give this, what we know is coming in for the winter to give it all to the church. And she said, she said, I told the Lord that's fine, but you got to tell my husband. <laughs> Easy way out. Well, he didn't hear, Lord. But guess what the Lord did? Told her husband. I feel like, and so then they knew. And she shared with me, like, I, you know, feel secure when we have something, say, financially. So it, it took me trusting God. It took me trusting God with this. So she prayed. And they prayed, and they did that. And here, here's the flip side of that story. So they had a, a second property that they had up for sale, and they had expected a certain amount for, for the equity, and the equity doubled, like tens of thousands of dollars. I don't know if they want me to share the number, but it was tens of thousands of dollars, and it was more than they were going to save, or that they would have had saved. It was doubled of what they were going to save. But listen, what started it was she, they heard the Lord, they engaged, and then they had to sacrifice. And when they told me this, I wept because they were willing to give up security for the sake of our community. And I'm not saying that every time that the Lord leads us to a step of faith like that, that it's going to be you know, a financial benefit on the other side, but sometimes it is. But I do know this, whatever the Lord, when you engage with God and whatever he's asking you to sacrifice, if it's something like that, and it feels like, wow, that's everything and more, God will provide. He will not let you down. God will provide. So that's why I say, don't start with budget. Don't start with what you can afford. Start with God, because he is your supplier. He will meet all of your needs according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus not your boss, not your income, not your career, not the raise that's coming. It is the Lord. That's why he will, you know, ask us to make things that doesn't make sense in our mind. What's it going to take as we engage with God? What's it is going to take is a new level of generosity and sacrifice. And the last thought is this. It's going to take a total surrender. Total surrender to God. It is not, well, if the Lord doubles my income, then I'll give that. 
Well, if the Lord doubles what's in, you know, if this woman would have said, yes, Lord, I'll do that, but you're going to have to make it up first. Listen, blessing does not happen first. Blessing always follows obedience. We must obey and the Lord blesses our obedience. But what we want is like, Lord, bless me so I can obey. And it never works because the reality is, is you won't. But when we totally surrender to God's leading, what will begin to happen is you'll see the favor of the Lord. You'll see the blessing of the Lord. You'll, your faith will be increased. It will tie your heart to what God is doing. And it requires faith. Well, when we totally surrender, it requires faith. We cannot do anything extraordinary for God without laying everything down at his feet. I want to share a personal story with you, and I want to read uh, the scripture that the Lord challenged me on. When we started attending Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, one of the things, as God began to heal our marriage, we, we came to a place of faith where we started tithing. That's 10% of our income. We started giving a tenth. We've done that ever since. We, we don't stop doing that. In fact, we, we, we believe as God gives us more, we're going to be able to give above and beyond our normal ties. But we were meeting in a gym when we launched the church. And it was less than 100 people, maybe 70, 80 of us. And we wanted a midweek service, but we couldn't, we, we couldn't use the school midweek because the school was using the school. So, uh, but we found a office complex. It was an old Victorian house that they had divided up into offices. So we found about five, 6,000 square feet, but we had to renovate the space. I had to knock out some of the office walls. And Pastor Lee came back and said, it's going to cost us $7,000 to do. This was the, our first initiative that Jen and I had ever been a part of. Now, Jen and I had just moved into our first home and we were leasing it with an option to buy and we had six months to come up with the down payment of 7000 And I thought, this is interesting because the church needs seven and I need seven. So I told myself, I'm not in a season of giving because I need money. I'm gonna keep tithing because I think that belongs to the Lord. That's not mine, that's God's. I'm gonna give that to the Lord. But above and beyond that would be as, you know, I feel like the Lord's not enabling us. So I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to give. And we had saved a thousand bucks and we, so we had to come up with another 6,000 in six months. And by the way, I did not have a thousand dollars, a thousand a month of, of disposable income to save that up. It was already going to be a miracle for us to get our first house. So this is happening. The church is trying to raise 7,000. Jen and I have a thousand in our bank account. And I'm reading Haggai that week. I'm reading Haggai, and the Lord like speaks to me through it. It says, uh, Haggai uh, 1, verse 2 through 8, it says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. The people say, This time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. In other words, they're saying, This is bad timing. And that's what I was doing. This bad time is not yet my time to give to, like the cause of the Lord says. So people say that. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai and said, Is it a time for, for you yourselves to be living in paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? So, you know, the backdrop to Haggai is they had returned from Babylon. King Cyrus sent them back to rebuild the city. And they don't do it. 
They started with the wall. Nehemiah got the wall going, but they, they don't do it. And so Haggai challenges them, says, what are you doing? He says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. And when I read that, I was like being pierced in my heart because I felt like this was mirroring what was happening in our church. I was saying, not yet, because I got something that I'm doing, Lord. And you have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but never have. You drink, but never fill. You put on clothes, but are never worn. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Have you ever felt like that? The you know, purse with holes in it? Like as soon as the money comes into the account, it's going out? And I'm like, that's us, Lord. How, does, how did Haggai know this is what's happening? That's why I'm telling Lord, we can't do it because as soon as it comes in, it goes out. This is what the Lord says. Give careful thought to your ways. God is saying, I'm trying to get your attention through your lack. Go up to the mountains, bring down the timber, build my house. Do the thing that Haggai and Zerubbabel is challenging you to do. I think this is chapter 2, verse 2. Then Zerubbabel and Joshua, the high priest, and the whole remnant, the people obeyed the voice of the Lord. If this is going to happen, it's going to be because we prayed. It's going to be because we sacrificed. But the sacrifice only works if we totally surrender and obey God. The people feared the Lord, verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the, the Lord, to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. What he's saying is, even though you have a need, if you put my house first, then I'll take care of your house. So I tell Jenny, I think we should give this whole $1,000 we saved up for our down payment, give it to the church for this building project. She said, no. So I took her to Haggai. Listen to what the prophet says. And it convinced her. And she said it. Came out of her mouth. The way I read this is if we put God's house first, he'll take care of our house. And we did. I wish I had time to tell you the whole story. But weeks before our closing, we were short three to 4000 I can't remember the right amount. But we're, we, we were able to save a few thousand. And someone in the community knew about this. And they came up, hey, how, how's that down payment coming? You're like, we're closing in two weeks, but it's not going to happen. We're probably going to have to, you know, continue to lease the house, but we're not going to actually own it. We're not going to get it. And they said, well, the Lord told us to give you the difference. We took care of God's house. He took care of ours. Now, if I started with budget, if I started with what I can afford, if I start with what I know, you never get to a place of faith. We never get to a place of trust. And you never, ever get to experience the blessing of obedience. That's what it's going to take. Prayer. Engage with God. He's not going to mislead you. He's not going to lead you to give something significant or some sacrifice to fail you. So you can trust Him and make the sacrifice when you totally surrender. You're going to see the result in trusting God for provision. You're going to have increased faith. And, and sacrifice and surrender is the gateway to blessing. If you want to know how do we get a blessed life, live generous. How do we live a blessed life? Obey God. It's opposite what the world says. How do you live a good life? Oh, get a good job. Save up lots of money. Step on people to work up the ladder. And it's not what the Lord says. 
So before I pray, what is God asking you to sacrifice? What are you going to have to totally trust him with? Do you see God as someone who, who you can trust on the other side of your sacrifice or, or is he untrustworthy to you? What gifts is God, what, is it Starbucks coffee? Is it 20 acres? What is the Lord asking you to sacrifice for the dream in his heart? Listen, Jenny and I wish we could pay for it all. And if we had that, we would. And we would never ask the church to ever do what, what we wouldn't do first. And the amount the Lord gave us a month ago was beyond our budget. And I wondered, because it was a significant amount, like how is the Lord going to do this? And he came through, and he'll keep coming through. And if we could underwrite Three million, four million, we would, but we can't. That's why I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to sacrifice. I'm asking you to surrender so that we can continue to water the city. Let's pray. Father, I pray this message is only heard through the lens of the Holy Spirit, not through the lens of a man not through the lens of getting something. Your heart is to bless your people and your heart is to work miracles through us. So I pray as we engage with you this week, Holy Spirit, speak the level of commitment you're leading us to, the level of sacrifice and position our hearts to be in faith to surrender it and give it to you in Jesus' name.